Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one wonderful, charming, illuminating page of Talmud every day. Our guest today is the great, the one and only, Dr. Bacheva Marcus. Hello. Hi, Liel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent, because today we have a double treat. We're not only going to ask you to comment on today's daf and share with us really one of kind of the most charming and moving little anecdotes that we've heard in a long time, but also to address some very interesting listener mail that we got. But let's get down to the order of business. There was a passage in today's daf that really moved me, that really spoke to me, and I'd like to read it to you. It's about a character in the Bible, Elisha, who is called Elisha Baal Knafaim, Elisha man of wings. The Gemara asks, and why did they call Elisha man of wings? Because on one occasion, the evil kingdom of Rome, I love that formulation, the evil kingdom of Rome issued a decree against Israel that as punishment, they would pierce the brain of anyone who dons tefillin. Nevertheless, Elisha would don them and defiantly go out to the marketplace. One day, an official who was appointed to enforce the decree saw him. Alicia ran away from him, and the official ran after him. When the official reached him, Alicia removed the tefillin from his head and held them in his hand. The officer asked him, What is that in your hand? Alicia said to him, It is merely a dove's wings. A miracle was performed. He opened his hand, and indeed, it was found to be a dove's wings. Therefore, in commemoration of this miracle, they would call him Alicia, man of wings. The Gemara asks, and what is different about dove's wings from those of other birds that led Elisha to say that he had dove's wings in his hand? The Gemara answers, because the congregation of Israel is likened to a dove. As it is stated, you shall shine as the wings of a dove covered with silver and her pinions with yellow gold. Just as this dove, only its wings protect it, and it has no other means of protection, so too the Jewish people only mitzvot, or commandments, protect them. What a story. That is such a beautiful story, Liel. What do you make of it? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you that you're not just asking about sexual texts. I'm so excited. I get to use my therapist hat for a change. It's such a joy. So first of all, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful text. And I've been thinking a lot about it and um, wondering if, you know, we talk about protection, the mitzvot being being protective, and often when we're hitting a really either difficult situation or a, a really difficult position that we're put in, we tend to get sort of combative, right? We think of protecting ourselves either by sort of, you know, getting really tense and, you know, putting on our armor, whether it's physical or emotional armor. And I wonder if the wings suggest a different kind of protection, of a protection of sort of moving away or escaping. I've been thinking a lot about that because one of the only really wonderful things I feel like that has come out during this COVID crisis has been that I I went back to meditating in a serious way. And, um, well, not a serious, you know, if I could be quiet for 10 minutes, that's pretty serious. So, exactly. <laughs> but I've gone back, like, I have really, with intentionality, I've been trying to meditate. And one of the things I'm working on is this idea of, like, 
pulling myself away, removing myself, you know, separating from the things that are upsetting or aggravating because those things are always happening in our lives. And if we can kind of move away, either really practically move away, but also just move away emotionally to be able to back off and and sort of stay at peace and, and sort of fly away, fly away in our mind, fly away in our emotional, you know, uh, reactions and stop being so reactive to things. That is in itself is an incredible protection. And I think about the mitzvot sometimes that way. It's sort of very grounding. And like, you know, we don't think of the mitzvot often that way. The fact that, you know, when you stop to light Shabbat candles, you take a few minutes and calm yourself down. If you're somebody who prays, that's something else that sort of removes you from sort of the craziness of life. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing that is not really what the rabbis thought, but I just thought it was kind of a really beautiful way to look at it and something I've been thinking a lot about anyway. I love this. In other words, when things get very tough and when challenges arise, instead of, you know, going full combat mode, as you said, putting on your armor and sort of like seeking to be tough and go out there and get it, calm down, fly away to a different place and focus on mitzvot, focus on good deeds, focus on the things that you can do to reshape the world. That's very beautiful. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I think it's so much about like, removing yourself and mitzvot can really be that it could be like helping your neighbors or it could be you know something ritual like i said but it, you know it could also be learning a daf yomi every day like there are so many mitzvot that really are about grounding yourself and if you find your grounding in those situations i think that's a really really powerful way of protecting yourself and protecting the jewish people now, Bacheva, we, we granted you this brief yes. holiday from talking about sexual matters, which is your uh, field of expertise for which you're renowned. And I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you, but, but we need to return you That's to fine. this realm. That's fine. Because we received a, um, an amazing mail from a loyal listener named Rebecca, who wrote the following. Dear Leo, I've been catching up on the podcast, and after listening to Shabbat 40 to 43, which was last Friday, I have some burning questions. One, so the rabbis thought male masturbation was a sin. First of all, why does anyone believe that? Is it about wasting seed? If so, so what? I'm a mother of boys and a teacher of boys. I've never discussed masturbation with them, but I know they all do it. Capital A, capital L, capital L. They all do it a lot. I'm pretty sure even Hasidic boys do it. Why should they feel guilty? Why would 21st century Jews not reject this law, knowing what we know today about normal human sexuality? Wouldn't a guy who had never felt free to jerk off feel horribly repressed? Number two, men should not hold their penises while peeing or ever because they might get too comfy with their genitals. Does that mean their pee is going to splatter everywhere because they're not controlling the direction of the flow? Don't guys need to hold it to avoid making a mess? I expect the men in the family to aim properly. Am I encouraging them to sin? Number three, I love the movement from the, you know, anyway, go ahead. Like, Oh, no, she, she thought that, about yeah. all, all aspects of this yeah, question. this is great. Uh, <laughs> number three, if holding their wee-wees is bad, are they not allowed to touch it while showering? Can one wash one's member properly without actually handling it? And then Rebecca comes to a fourth point, which I found particularly fascinating, and I think you might too. Number four, back to masturbation. I assume female masturbation is just fine because the rabbis probably never mentioned it. And also females would not be spilling seeds. So would sex toys for women be okay? Or should women pretend they never do such a thing in the name of modesty? Just wondering if you have any thoughts on these questions. Would love to know. Thank you for the super interesting podcast. So as soon as I got this mail, I said to myself, I'm not even going to try addressing any of these. I'm going straight to the expert. 
Dr. Bacheva Marcus. Um, Take it away. Okay. I'm laughing. So that, that's how I slid in under the wire for the, you know, Baal Kanafayim. Okay. Correct. Um, exactly. So, um, God, I could talk for hours about all those questions. And I do actually talk for hours about all those questions. So if your listeners are interested, I do a podcast with Rabbi Dove Linzer called The Joy of Text. We've been doing it for five years. It's on Judaism sexuality. We address all of these questions constantly. So tune on in. I would like to interrupt here and say that uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is this is a must. It's obligatory listening. Take a moment now. Subscribe. It's amazing. Go ahead. The joy of text. It's just once a month. So it's not a it's not a huge commitment. Okay. So and first I need to say a statistic, which I you know, I joke around about all the time that ninety nine percent of boys masturbate and the other one percent lie about it. Yeah. Um <laughs> so I think that that is the common truth. And the truth is, you know, she makes a comment about Hasidish boys, the ones who really don't ever masturbate, it becomes a bit of a problem. But if you want to unpack the whole thing about whether it should be rejected or not rejected or how to build it in, halacha, listen to the podcast. Now let's talk about female masturbation. She is pretty close to 100% correct. It is very much not dealt with in the Talmud, which makes it much easier to deal with. Um, there is this idea of misololot. It shows up every once in a while. It's the Rambam talks about it. Maimonides talks about it. It's women rubbing against each other. So it's more about lesbianism. That's sort of the closest they get. There are places or two where they talk about boys not touching their penis, where they also say, well, it's okay if women, you know, do internal exams for nida, for the menstruation, because women don't have any urges, don't get turned on. So it is totally true <laughs> that that the women got off scot-free on this one, and therefore it's not talked about. It's still just, you know, sociologically frowned upon in the more um, less liberal societies. But if you're asking me, every time I'm speaking to young women, I say like masturbation is probably learning your genitals for women is probably the most important ingredient for sexual satisfaction later in life. And the more women learn what their body looks like and feels like and how to turn themselves on, the better prognosis they will have for having a good sex life eventually. And that gets me to the vibrator question. So I am a big fan of vibrators. I did my PhD dissertation on vibrator use in women, which you may not know, Liel, but I did. You know, I feel like vibrators are one of the most underused tools in women's sexual arsenals. I'm a big fan of them um, for partnered sex as well as solo sex. And, um, you know, I have to say that all the rabbis I've spoken to over the years, and there have been many when I'm dealing with patients, vibrators like are kosher. You know, they're fine with them. I'm not going to say everybody, but for most, most rabbis, even ones who have problems with things that I think they shouldn't have problems with, vibrators slide right there under the, the radar screen of, uh, you know, us or halachically. So go for it. That's very good news. So I will say the issue of male masturbation is complicated, but super important to look into. The issue of female masturbation, less complicated from a halachic perspective, super important as well. So um, it sounds like you're doing a good job with your sons and your daughters as well. Keep at it. Hallelujah. Well, that was a very, very brief taste. If you want more on this very complicated subject, The Joy of Text, a terrific podcast by Dr. Bacheva Marcus and Rabbi Dov Linzer. Bacheva, thank you so much for joining us today. You are so welcome, Leo. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor 
is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. Soon.